This afternoon we'll be considering Baptist Catechism number 39. What are the benefits which in this life do accompany or flow from justification, adoption, and sanctification? Answer, the benefits which in this life do accompany or flow from justification, adoption, and sanctification are assurance of God's love, peace of conscience, joy in the Holy Spirit, increase of grace, and perseverance therein to the end. Let's read now Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has, who has been given to us. This is now the reading of God's most holy word. May he add his blessing to the preaching of it this afternoon. You'll notice in that Romans 5 passage that I just read, the first words are these, Therefore, since we have been justified... And then are listed a number of benefits that come because of our justification. We should remember, brothers and sisters, that these three things, justification, adoption, and sanctification, are presented to us as the primary or foundational benefits that come to us through faith in Jesus Christ. When a sinner is drawn to faith and to repentance, they are, in a moment, justified. This is the act of God upon us. He justifies sinners. They are in a moment adopted. This is the act of God upon sinners. He adopts them into his family. And they are also sanctified. This is the work of God, a work that he does in us. We may speak of our sanctification as being an act, a positional thing whereby we are set apart as holy from the world and unto God. But I think that our catechism has primarily in mind, progressive sanctification, a progressive work that God does within us. What benefits come to those who have faith in Christ? What are the benefits that come to those who have faith in Christ? Justification, adoption, and sanctification. And now in our catechism, we're asking, well, what are the other benefits that accompany these foundational or core benefits, if you will? And the answer to that question is divided into three parts, you'll notice, in our catechism, Question 39 asks, what are the benefits that, in the, that do in this life accompany or flow from these foundational benefits? Uh, that is question 39. But in question 40, we will ask, what benefits do believers receive from Christ at their death? So when we die, when we pass from this world and into the presence of God in a soulish, spiritual way, there are certain benefits that come to us then. And then question 41, what benefits do believers receive from Christ at the resurrection? So this is a reference to the day when Christ returns. Uh, the dead in Christ will raise first. Uh, then those who are on the earth will be caught up to meet him in the air. We do believe in a rapture of that kind, brothers and sisters, just not the pre-millennial, pre-tribulational kind but we do believe in that kind of rapture. When the Lord returns, the dead in Christ will raise first, and those who are alive on earth will be caught up to be with Him in the air, and certain benefits will come to us. 
at that time. And so our catechism really deals with these benefits that accompany or flow from adoption, justification, adoption, sanctification in three different parts. It's really marvelous to consider. But right now we are talking about the benefits that come to us today, the benefits that are ours now, the, the benefits that come to us the moment we believe and do in fact flow out of justification, adoption, and sanctification. What are they? Uh, there's a number of them listed here. First of all, assurance of God's love. What is assurance of God's love? When we talk about assurance of God's love, we're talking about this, this inner confidence that we are indeed children of God, that He does indeed love us, that we have indeed been forgiven by Him. Uh, brothers and sisters, you should know that true Christians will sometimes struggle with this, a sense, this sense of assurance. Perhaps this has been you at some point in time. But true Christians may sometimes struggle with this sense of assurance. They might have Jesus as Lord. They might have authentic faith. They might come to worship each and every Lord's Day faithfully. They might pray and sometimes struggle inwardly with the question, do I really know God? Do I really have true faith? Does God really love me? On the other hand, there are some people who have a strong sense of assurance that maybe should not. Maybe they live lives of ungodliness. They are rebellious towards God, and yet they walk in this world as if everything is just fine. Of course God loves me. After all, how could He not love me, <laughs> some might say. And so we have this spectrum. A true and sincere believers who might sometimes struggle with a sense of assurance, and those who are not believers at all, who maybe have this inward confidence that they are right with God. Um, and then... There are true believers who also have a proper sense of assurance. They know that God loves them. Our confession of faith has a wonderful chapter on this very subject of assurance. Chapter 18 of the Second London Confession of Faith. I would encourage you to read it sometime. It, it's probably one of the most pastoral chapters in the confession. I think that is true. I've used it oftentimes with people who are struggling with this inward confidence that they are indeed children of God. Um, there's some wonderful insights in chapter 18 of our confession. I wonder if I could present this to you in two parts. First of all, how do we know that God loves us? Uh, how do we know that God loves us? First of all, we know that God loves us because we trust in Christ, who has paid for all of our sins, who lived an obedient life in our place. He died for us, rose for us, and ascended from us. So there is the objective ground of our assurance. Christ is the object of our faith and He is why we are confident before God because of what He has done, not because of what we have done or because of what we have failed to do. We may know that God loves us, that our sins are forgiven as we look to Christ as Lord and as Savior. There is also a subjective sense of assurance though and you should know this brothers and sisters that if you are living in sin if there is sin in your life, do not be surprised when you're struggling inwardly with that confidence, you see. Because our sin does grieve the Holy Spirit, does it not? And when we live in sin, when we live in sin, um, are we not contradicting our profession of faith by that life of sin? We say on the one hand that Jesus is Lord, but we're denying Him with our way of life, with our actions. That's not going to bring confidence, is it? It's going to bring uncertainty. 
And there are other reasons why we struggle with confidence too. Sometimes the evil one simply attacks us. Sometimes we need to grow in our knowledge of the gospel. There's all sorts of reasons why we might struggle with this sense of assurance. But our confession is very helpful in that it says it's possible to have it. By this we know that we know him, says John, if we keep his commandments. So it is possible to know that we know Christ, to know that we know God and that we are right with him. But there's a way to get at that. First of all, by setting our feet down upon the rock-solid foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am right with God not because of anything in me, not because of what I have done or but by what I have uh, not done. I am right with God based upon what Christ has done for me. So first of all, set your feet upon that rock-solid foundation. But then also, make your calling and election sure. What is meant by that? The thing that is meant by that is to go out, to, to go ahead and live out the faith that you claim to have, to, to live out the Christian life, to live as a child of God. And if you are trusting in Christ, if you understand the gospel and are trusting in Christ, and if you are living as a child of God in this world, you ought to have that deep sense of assurance. It is one of the benefits that flows out of our justification and our adoption. We are assured of God's love for us. We call Him Father because He has adopted us as His beloved children. And of course, as we progress in sanctification, this assurance of ours, this inner confidence and peace is going to grow and grow and grow. So we may have assurance of God's love. We also may have peace of conscience. That is exactly what Romans 5 spoke of first. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, let me put it in different terms, since we have been declared not guilty by God, by faith, our sins have been washed away, we've been declared not guilty by Him. Uh, since this is true, then we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is Romans 5.1. It is because we have been justified that we have peace. We may have peace of conscience. Our consciences may be clear before God. We can have this confidence that we are indeed right before Him. Why? Because He has justified us. Because He has justified us. We may also have joy in the Holy Spirit. That is the next benefit that is listed here. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you've been forgiven by God, if you have been adopted as His, as His beloved child, if you have the hope of life everlasting uh, through faith in Jesus the Messiah, this is, a great, this is the greatest of all reasons for you to be joyous, to have a kind of joy that surpasses understanding. What makes the world joyous? What makes the world happy? Well, it's when things go well for them here on earth. They possess lots of money or possessions. They get a raise. Their health is good. It's a nice day out. All of these things are reasons for joy for the worldly person. And indeed, these are reasons for joy too, but we have something deeper, don't we? We have something much deeper than this. We can have a joy that surpasses all understanding because we have been justified, adopted, and are being sanctified by our Father in heaven. We have the hope of life everlasting through faith in Christ. So this is a joy that is really unshakable. It cannot be taken away from us. Even if everything good in this life is taken away from us, we may still have joy because we have the hope of life everlasting. This is the joy that the scriptures speak of that surpasses understanding. Uh, the worldly person cannot explain it. 
but those in Christ know what it is to have this kind of joy in the Holy Spirit. Next, we hear of increase of grace. And what is this? Well, this is one of the benefits that comes from justification, adoption, and sanctification. Not only are we saved by the grace of God in the beginning, but those who truly know Christ are going to grow in grace progressively over time so that grace is added to grace. Over time, we are going to grow in the grace of God. Grace is God's gift to us, and as it pertains to the issue of salvation and of our sanctification, we're going to grow in our maturity. We're going to grow in our love for God. We're going to grow in our contentment and in our peace and in our joy. These things are going to increase over time in those who have Jesus as Lord truly. Proverbs 4.18 says, But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. That's beautiful imagery, isn't it? Proverbs 4.18. This is what the path of the righteous is like. This is what the life of a righteous person is like. It's like the dawn. Can you imagine the sun rising over the San Jacinto Mountains over here? Have you ever seen it? Have you ever been up early enough to see it, right? Um, It's beautiful. Darkness covers this land all night long, and then all of a sudden the, the horizon begins to grow brighter, And then pretty soon the sun comes up over those mountains and the sun continues to rise all the way until it's noontime. And that sun is shining with such intensity down upon us. And this proverb is saying that this is what the life of a righteous person is like. We are saved by grace and that grace is going to increase all the days of our life. We're going to grow in our love and in our appreciation for God and in right living before Him. Uh, That is what the life of a righteous person is ought to be like. And then that lastly we hear and perseverance there into the end. Perseverance. This is such an important doctrine. Will those who truly know Christ ever fall away? We say no. They will never fall away. Those who truly know Christ may stumble. Those who truly know Christ may struggle. Uh, that is true. But if someone truly knows Christ and is truly justified and is truly adopted as a child of God, that cannot be undone. God does not unjustify those whom He has justified. He does not cast off those He has adopted, but He is faithful to them in the covenant of grace. There's nothing conditional about the covenant of grace. There's no if-then. If you keep my commandments, then I will keep you as my child. There's none of that. All of this, justification, adoption, and even the sanctification, is by the grace of God alone. And so He will certainly keep those who belong to Him. We may talk about this doctrine in two ways. We could talk about the perseverance of the saints and the preservation of the saints. It's the same doctrine, but considered from different vantage points. When we talk about the perseverance of the saints, we are talking about our obligation to persevere in Christ, to stay in Christ, to cling to Christ, to obey Christ all the days of our lives, all the way until the Lord calls us home or comes again. The Scriptures do warn us not to fall away. The Scriptures do warn us to persevere. And we believe that God does use the Scriptures to cause us to persevere. And that doctrine is called the preservation of the saints. It's the same doctrine, but from a different vantage point. We are the ones who are called to persevere, but who preserves us? Who is the one who preserves us? That is God's work. He preserves us. In other words, He graciously enables us to persevere. It's such an important truth. And this is one of the benefits that comes from, that flows out of, 
justification, adoption, and sanctification. Doesn't it make sense? Has God justified you? Well, then no one can take that away. Not even you can take that away. God has done it. Has God adopted you? If God has adopted you as His own through faith in Christ, then no one can take that away. Not even you can take that away. You cannot cause yourself to be cast off as a child of God. And who is it that is sanctifying you? Well, you certainly are working on your sanctification. The Scriptures call you to it. But it is the Lord who sanctifies you. He is the one who has promised to finish the good work that He has begun in you and to bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians Chapter 1, verse 6. So, those who have true faith in Christ are going to persevere to the end. God will preserve them. 1 Peter 1, 5 says, Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. He's speaking to Christians, and he says, They are, Christians are, by God's power, guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And then 1 John 5, 13 I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So there that verse speaks of, again, the assurance that we are to have in Christ Jesus. How do we gain this assurance? By persevering, by, by persevering in the Christian life. So I might ask you a number of questions as we conclude. Do you have assurance? Do you have peace? Do you have joy? Are you growing in grace? Are you persevering? Uh, Brothers and sisters, we indeed do have work to do. We have this obligation to make our calling and election sure. But the very best thing we can do is to grow in our understanding of the great gospel of Jesus Christ. To more and more come to appreciate what it is that God has done for us through Him. We must grow in our knowledge of the gospel and see how rich we are in Christ Jesus. Let's bow for a word of prayer. We will sing and then we'll go to corporate prayer together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for our justification, adoption, and sanctification. And we thank you for the many benefits that flow out of these. I pray, O God, that you would help us to see how rich we are in Christ Jesus. I pray that you would give us this gift of assurance. Help us to know that we know you, O God. Help us to know that we know you by looking to Christ. Help us to know that we know you by keeping your commandments. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things and all of God's people say, Amen.